Hey everybody, welcome to Money's No Object. I'm your host, Dylan Howell. This is episode number 208 of our YouTube channel and podcast, and I cannot be more excited to continue sharing with you guys personal finance topics that I think can be useful for you in your long-term financial journey. Today, we are going to be talking about your beneficiaries, and specifically your beneficiaries on things like uh, retirement accounts and life insurance policies. And what you will find throughout the course of this video, just a quick spoiler alert, is that beneficiaries really, really matter. And if you do not set them and you don't set them in the way that you want to set them, it could end up biting you in the tail when it comes to who gets to take the money with them when you are gone. Uh, and this week is all about leaving a legacy. It's all about uh, how we leave our money behind, how we leave our assets behind to others. And this is one big way that if we don't check this box and do this in the correct way, then things will not go the way that we hope they did when it comes to how we leave our money behind. So stay tuned for all that and more in today's episode. But before we get started, uh, go down below, hit the big red subscribe button, like this video, leave me any feedback in the comments down below, and I'll be sure to respond to anything you leave down there. If you're listening on Apple or Spotify podcast, be sure to subscribe and leave me a review on either one of those platforms. Follow me on social media at MNO with Dylan, and that's really good supplemental materials to all the things I'm putting out in these long form episodes on YouTube and the podcast every single day. And then if you need somebody to help you to create a financial plan that's specific to you and your family, family's needs and keep you accountable to that plan over the long term, then I can do that. Just go to my website, www.mnowithdylan.com. Click on the work with Dylan tab and you can choose the financial coaching session type that would work best for you. And we can begin pushing towards your long-term financial goals together. So quite often on this show, I talk about retirement accounts. Now I talk about investing in retirement accounts. I talk about IRAs and I talk about 401ks and I talk about 403bs. I talk about all these different things uh, when it comes to retirement accounts. One thing that I have not yet talked about uh, that is extremely important when it comes to those retirement accounts are the beneficiary designations. Now, this is a fairly simple thing, right? And it's something that doesn't you know play a huge part in most people's minds. Uh, but when it comes to how we want to leave a legacy with our money, beneficiaries are vital, right? You, you have to name your beneficiaries in a proper way uh, and you have to do it in the way that you want it done in order to get it done in the way that you want it, right? Uh, it's not hard to do, but it's something that we have to keep our eye on. We have to understand how it works. And so I want to help you to understand that throughout the course of today's episode because uh, when you first set up whatever account you set up, right? Uh, if your work gives you the paperwork to set up your 401k, well, they're going to ask, who you want to set as a beneficiary, right? And you may not even remember who you wrote down there or the people that you wrote down there, right? So you need to check on that. Uh, and we'll talk about that a little more. Or, you know, when you went and set up your IRA for the first time or your Roth IRA for the first time, uh, you're, one of the first things they ask you is, you know, who's the beneficiary of this account? And you've likely filled that out and maybe even forgotten who the beneficiaries of your accounts are and in what percentages. And that is problematic. You need to understand who's going to receive your assets when you're gone. Another place where this is very, very uh, prevalent is in life insurance policies. Not only do people forget about beneficiaries on a life insurance policy, they forget to tell the people who are beneficiaries that they are beneficiaries, and that leaves a ton of life insurance money uncollected. You would be surprised at the amount of life insurance money that goes uncollected every single year. It's absolutely crazy. And a lot of the reasoning for that falls to uh, the individual who is leaving behind the life insurance money and the fact that they did not adequately communicate the fact that their beneficiaries were who they actually were. Okay, so just like I was talking about yesterday when I talked about trusts, 
right? We need to be able to uh, align who is going to receive what. We need to be able to have that written out, have that uh, set in stone. Those people need to know that they are receiving what they are receiving uh, and leave very little room for any type of dispute. And that's the, that's the whole point, right, when we're doing all of our estate planning and making sure uh, that we you know, can leave money to other people in a frictionless way. Uh, we are trying to make sure that there are no issues. We're trying to make sure uh, that things can be done the way that we want them done without people fighting and bickering and, and you know, having issues over whatever uh, you know, money they want or assets they want or whatever it may be. You can make sure in your own life, in your own financial situation, that things are done exactly the way you want them to be done without even having to deal with other people and their opinions, which is a very, very awesome thing. And your beneficiary designations are one place in which this is the case. Now, building assets for retirement may seem like a challenging enough endeavor, right? But designating beneficiaries to inherit those assets can bring an entirely new set of considerations into the mix. While it may seem simple to use the first name that comes to mind, right? A spouse, a child, uh, whomever may come to your mind when you think, oh, they should benefit from uh, whatever assets I have, right? On the beneficiary designation form, you should know that there are consequences first. So let's talk about what all is involved, okay? First of all, you have to get used to these words of primary and contingent beneficiaries. Okay. Most retirement plans, annuities, and life insurance policies let you decide what should become of your assets in the event of your demise. They do this by asking you to designate beneficiaries. The primary beneficiary or beneficiaries, there can be multiple, Okay, inherit first. If they pass away before or with you, your assets would instead go to a secondary or contingent beneficiary that you have designated. These secondary beneficiaries are often referred to as contingent beneficiaries on these account forms. Okay, so basically here's what happens. Let's say you are uh, someone who has uh, four kids. Okay, this is just, um, you know, for example's sake. If you have four kids, God bless you. But uh, they, this is just for example's sake. Let's say you have four kids, okay, and you have an IRA that you want to leave behind to your kids, and you want to leave it behind to them in equal amounts. Well, you would put each of your children as primary beneficiaries at 25% apiece for that particular account. So it'd be 25, 25, 25, 25. Okay, so you would have that's 100%, obviously, right? But you would also have set up along with those primary beneficiaries, contingent beneficiaries, to where if something happened to one or all of the primary beneficiaries, then the contingent beneficiaries can receive uh, whatever the primary beneficiary was not able to because they passed away before or with you, okay? To designate beneficiaries, you will need the full legal name of the individual, and you'll also need to determine what percentage of your assets will go to each beneficiary if you have more than one listed. And this is the really uh, good part, right? The really nice part is that you can put whatever percentage of the assets you want to go to whomever you want them to go to. It doesn't have to be a spouse. It doesn't have to be kids. It doesn't have to be a sibling. It doesn't have to be a family member. Or just a, It can go to absolutely anyone. And the fact that it can go to absolutely anyone, you can put any given percentage on those beneficiaries. And uh, the number of beneficiaries you can leave behind, I don't think is capped unless some company caps it, which I just don't uh, understand why uh, they would choose to do that. Okay. Beneficiaries can include spouses, children, and other relatives. Alternatively, they can include friends, trusts, charities, and institutions. So this is a really cool thing too, is that if you are leaving money behind, you don't just have to leave money behind to a person. You can leave money behind 
uh, to organizations. Now, when I said a trust, just for a moment, let's talk about this because we talked about trusts yesterday. You can set as beneficiaries for accounts your trust. And in most cases, you should do that, right? Because if you have that trust set up, we talked about funding a trust and putting assets into a trust. Well, you can't put an IRA into a trust or a 401k into a trust. But what you can do is you can make the beneficiary of those particular accounts that trust. And then when you pass away, then the money goes to the trust and the trust plays out whatever uh, the trust says is supposed to occur based on the grantor of the trust, which uh, in this example would be you, right? And so you can leave money to the trust and then you can leave money to charities that you want to leave money to, which is really, really cool, right? Uh, that's when I was saying, you know, you can designate different percentages. Well, maybe you want to leave a percentage to some charity of your choice or uh, to your, you know, religious organization, your church, your uh, synagogue, your whatever, right? Whatever you are wanting to leave money behind to, you can absolutely do that. And you can leave it behind to institutions. Now, I don't know uh, too many people who leave money behind to institutions that are for-profit institutions, but it is a possibility. Because your pet can't sign legal documents or legally owned property, you usually can't name them as a beneficiary. However, you can establish a trust for a pet with the trust being the beneficiary. Now, listen, if you're setting up a trust for your pet, whatever, right? That, that's 100% up to you. I don't know why you would do that, but uh, this is something that you can do. You can do this. Uh, with your beneficiaries. Uh, again, I don't know if you can uh, do it based on the fact that uh, they can't own property, right? But you can set up a trust for them uh, and then the money go into the trust. Now, here comes a real big reason that beneficiaries are extremely important. You have to be aware that beneficiary designations generally become active immediately after your death and override any information regarding inherited assets provided in your will. So listen to what I just said there. You can set up a will, but beneficiary designations, they override your will, right? So whatever your will says does not matter when it comes to beneficiary designations. Whoever is designated to receive the assets and in whatever amount you designate them to receive the assets, they receive it and nobody else does, right? Whoever was named in the will, if it is a discrepancy, if there is someone different, the beneficiary designations went out. This is a huge deal. This is the reason why you have to be very, very uh, thoughtful, right? When you're doing your estate planning, because uh, you may have a change of heart. You may have uh, issues where, you know, okay, somebody passed away. So we need to set up somebody new as this beneficiary. Well, if you just go into your will and set up that person as uh, a beneficiary of assets, which you don't really set up a beneficiary in a will, but you uh, can leave your assets to someone in a will, right? You can put it there and you can say that, but if they are not set up as the beneficiary on whatever account uh, you're trying to leave them, then they will not receive that money. So you have to be very, very diligent. So this is why you need to go and check your beneficiary designations. You have to go and check and make sure that the people who are receiving your assets, receiving your money, are the people that you want to be receiving your money uh, and that you have everything aligned, your estate planning documents and your beneficiary designations. So this means that assets will not have to go through probate. When uh, your beneficiaries are set up, those assets do not have to go through probate. Probate is a legal proceeding that can be time consuming and possibly very expensive. And we talked about wills going through probate court and trusts not having to, right? Uh, so even if the money is left to a beneficiary via the trust, 
right, uh, then it would just flow through the trust and still would not have to go into probate court. So the immediate nature also means that you need to ensure that your current beneficiary designations reflect your most recent wishes because your will cannot override them, like I said just a moment ago, okay? It's a good idea to review your designated beneficiaries every year for all your accounts. It's also important to update your beneficiary information after any major life change such as a marriage, divorce, or the birth of a child. So now we get to the real messy stuff. Now we get to where, uh, okay, let's say you just got divorced, okay? And you go and you know that you have to get that person out of your will, out of your trust. You have to go get new documents and uh, have your assets set up in the way that you want to. Absolutely, you should go and do all of that. But what's the problem? The problem is if you do not take them off of your beneficiary designations on your IRAs, your 401k, your 403b, on all these different accounts, right? They can still be the beneficiary of the money that you leave behind, even though they are not stated in the will or the trust anymore. This is a big, big deal, okay? So you need to make sure if you've had a major life change, something has really, really changed in your life in the short term, right, that you go and you have not only your beneficiary designations uh, changed, but also those estate planning documents. But don't do one without the other. Make sure you do both uh, for differing reasons, obviously. But if you don't change those beneficiary designations, uh, somebody who you don't like very much or don't care for very much anymore uh, may end up getting the money that you did not mean to leave to them. And this is not what we want. Now let's talk just a little bit about taxes on inherited retirement accounts, okay? Spouses can generally inherit assets from one another without generating estate taxes. Also, in the case of retirement accounts, they avoid being forced into taking mandatory taxable payoffs. However, if the inheriting spouse reached age 72 after January 1st of 2020, the normal retirement account required minimum distribution rules apply. So I've told you before that if you have a traditional IRA uh, and you, know, you uh, get to age 72, you have to take what's called required minimum distributions. And these are just some percentage of assets from the particular account uh, that you have to take off every single year because Uncle Sam wants his money. That money is taxable uh, at your income tax rate when you take the money out of the account because you got a tax break on the front end, right? And so when you take money out, then what ends up happening? You have to pay RMDs. And so RMDs, these required minimum distributions, will have to be done uh, for the inheriting spouse if the inheriting spouse reached age 72 after January 1st of 2020. Uh, that would go into place. Prior to January 1st of 2020, the age was 70 and a half, and that was revised as a result of passing the Setting Every Community Up for Retirement Enhancement, the SECURE Act, passed on December 2019. Now, heirs other than spouses may come up against some tax issues, okay? Loading too many assets onto some heirs may make those heirs' estates liable to pay federal estate tax upon their death. As of 2020, these taxes can be assessed on estates exceeding $11.58 million for an individual. Now in 2020, it's $11.7 million, okay? Also, some states assess state tax on inheritance above a specific value. Keeping your potential heirs informed of your intentions allows them to plan accordingly, okay? So if you have a very large estate, uh, then your heirs may end up having to pay some estate taxes. So uh, you make sure that you keep that in mind. Okay. And these are going to be the individuals that you set up as your beneficiary. So you have to understand this. You have to know exactly uh, who's receiving what, and it may impact the percentage that you leave certain people. Because uh, if you leave too much to one person, it may trigger the estate tax for that person. And that can be problematic. Okay. Now, what about requirements to cash out the retirement fund? 
Well, with the passage of the Secures Act that I just spoke about a moment ago, the rules governing required distributions from an inherited retirement account have become very murky. Generally, the options available will depend on whether you are the surviving spouse or a non-spouse beneficiary. If you're a surviving spouse, you can either transfer the assets into an inherited IRA or your own IRA. Which option you choose depends on whether you need to begin withdrawing money immediately and whether you are older or younger than the age of 59 and a half. If you're younger than 59 and a half and need the money now, the inherited IRA may be best. Uh, as you'll avoid having to pay 10% early withdrawal fee on the distribution. If you're over 59 and a half, placing the money in your own IRA may be best. Uh, other factors that come into play is the age of your spouse at the time of his or her death, uh, your age, and whether your spouse was older or younger than 72. And all that may have an impact on uh, the required minimum distributions that need to be taken uh, by the inheriting spouse. So uh, all of this has to be taken into account, and you really have to understand this, not just as somebody who sets up the beneficiaries, but somebody who may be the beneficiary of someone else's money or your spouse's uh, accounts or whatever, right? Because uh, if you, you know, are married to someone and y'all both have uh, IRAs, then you need to understand these particular rules and make sure that you're set up as the beneficiaries in the correct way. Uh, and then you'll be able to work through this in a little better way, okay? The rules governing non-spouse beneficiaries, though, were made quite simple as a result of the passage of the Secures Act. Essentially, you must transfer the assets into an inherited IRA and withdraw all assets within 10 years of the original account holder's death. There are certain IRS exemptions to this rule based on whether uh, there are multiple non-spouse beneficiaries. Other exceptions can be made if the person is a minor, disabled, or chronically ill. Okay, uh, So if you receive money as a non-spouse beneficiary, or if you leave some money to someone who is a non-spouse beneficiary, you need to make sure that they understand that they have to withdraw all of that money over a 10-year period. And if it is a traditional IRA that they are inheriting, right, and moving that to an inherited IRA in their own name, uh, then that is all going to be taxable to them. So they're going to need to, yeah, especially if it's a large amount of money, spread that out over a 10-year period and pay the taxes as they go, okay? So this is something that has to be taken into account. And you need to talk to your beneficiaries, not just uh, talk to them and say, hey, you're getting money, but talk to them and say, hey, do you understand the implications of you receiving this money? Do you understand what you're going to have to do when and if you receive this money from me? Uh, and make sure that they're in the right mindset to do these things and take care of them yourself and have a plan, not just with you and your spouse or you and your immediate family, but have a plan with everybody who is written on your wills, your trust, and especially your beneficiary designation since they override uh, your will documents, okay? Now, when it comes to underage uh, children and beneficiaries, right, things change just a little bit. Underage children, a group that may include anyone up to the age of 21 in most states, cannot directly inherit assets from an annuity, a retirement plan, or a life insurance policy because they cannot own things directly. If you've ever tried to go uh, and set up a bank account with, uh, let's say, your you know, 15-year-old, right? Uh, you are going to have to be a custodian of that account uh, because they cannot just have an account to themselves. Examples of two types of trust created for minors include a testamentary trust and a revocable living trust, which we talked about yesterday, revocable living trusts, right? Consult with an attorney if necessary to set up trusts for minor children. The trust you create can then be named in your beneficiary list. So I was saying this a little while ago, you can set up as one of your beneficiaries a trust. And if you want money to be left to a particular child, right, and that child is not of age to receive the assets, then you can leave it to the trust 
that is going to be left to the child. Now, you may also want to create trust for beneficiaries with mental disabilities if they are unable to handle their own affairs. This type of trust is often referred to as a special needs trust. Very, very important, right? If you want to leave money behind to take care of, let's say you have a child that has some uh, specific needs, right? Your child may have uh, autism, Down syndrome, uh, any number of issues that you are going to have to take care of them or you want to make sure that you can continue to take care of them once you are gone or maybe it's a grandchild or something, right? Then you can put that money into a special needs trust and make the special needs trust the beneficiary of your accounts uh, and that'll be the best way to go about that. In summary, there are many important considerations to make uh, when choosing beneficiaries for a retirement account, annuity, or life insurance policy. Make sure you take the time to review your selections carefully and make sure your wishes are up to date and help your loved ones avoid future headaches. Okay, this is very, very important. You have to make sure that you do this. Now, something that I just spoke about there that I want to just camp out on for just a second uh, before I wrap today's episode up is life insurance policies. Okay, because life insurance policies and retirement accounts, you know, the, the rules are pretty interconnected, but you need to make sure that beneficiaries are correctly named in your uh, life insurance policies as well, because this is typically a little different than doing it with uh, your retirement accounts. Your life insurance policies, you may not be able to go online and just click and go, click beneficiary, change the name, change the social security, done, right? And have that set up. You may have to do some paperwork and send it into somebody. And there may be a little more friction to changing those beneficiaries. Now, this is what's really, really interesting. And I'm not accusing any company of anything. I'm just saying it is very convenient for these companies that they create bigger barriers to changing your beneficiaries when it comes to life insurance companies. Because a life insurance company, if nobody comes to uh, collect the life insurance money, then they just kept all your premiums and didn't have to pay anything out. But let's say you have a retirement account that's in your name and you're leaving it behind to someone, right? And they don't know that they're the beneficiary or whatever. That will always stay your money, right? That money will never go uh, to the company that you had that money with, right? So this can be very, very tricky uh, because these life insurance companies can profit more from the fact that people don't come and get the money that they are the beneficiaries for, which is an absolutely huge deal. So I was interested to know exactly how much life insurance money goes unclaimed every single year. And so I went and looked and didn't find anything but an older article from 2013. Uh, but it said at the time, at least a billion in benefits are not being paid out every single year. A billion dollars in benefits uh, are not being paid out every single year. Now, uh, that means the odds of being somebody with life insurance policy and it doesn't get paid out is one in 600. Okay. Now this is a big deal. Okay. Now why these benefits aren't being paid out? Uh, there are probably several reasons. One may be uh, beneficiaries don't get named properly or the beneficiary passed away. But I think probably the biggest one is that the beneficiary did not know or the beneficiary did not have uh, you know, the information about the account or know who the account was with or anything like that. And the money goes uncollected. This is a big, big deal. You need to make sure that the people that you're leaving life insurance money to know that they're receiving the life insurance money and can go and collect the money from the life insurance company. And if you're somebody who is a beneficiary of a life insurance contract, right, you need to know the information. You need to have access to that information. And then when someone passes away, then you can go and collect uh, the life insurance benefits. This is very, very big and a very, very important thing to understand because 
Life insurance benefits can go uncollected, and that does nothing but benefit the company that did not have to pay you that life insurance benefit. But just like with retirement accounts, if you're you know, setting up your life insurance, you need to make sure that you have primary and contingent beneficiaries laid out. Make sure that if any changes need made, that they actually get made. And the big thing about life insurance and the reason that you should really be uh, very thoughtful about life insurance beneficiaries is because life insurance is tax-free money to whomever it goes to. Okay, whereas your retirement accounts may end up being taxable to someone, right? Your life insurance money is going to be tax free to whomever it goes to. Okay, so the fact that that is the case makes it more valuable money because they're not going to have to pay taxes on it. All right, so you need to make sure that this money is taken care of and that the beneficiaries are set. And when you do set those beneficiaries, you may run across something uh, that says per capita or per stirpes. And I want to uh, just hit on this for just a second and actually tell you what this is. Right. Another thing to consider when naming beneficiaries is whether to choose a per capita or per stirpes designation. Each of these designates how the death benefit should be distributed if one or more of your beneficiaries dies and no additional contingents are listed on the policy. Per capita or per head is usually the default designation, meaning it doesn't require you to make a special selection. In this case, each of your living beneficiaries receives an equal share. So if you have three adult children and one dies before you, the remaining two each receive one half of the face value instead of one third, right? If you had it set up as a third, a third, a third, then everybody would receive one half instead. However, if you choose to designate per stirpes and one of your beneficiaries dies before you do, that beneficiary's descendants will receive their amount. So take the example uh, that we just talked about. If one of your three adult children dies before you and is survived by two children, a per stirpes arrangement would give your two grandchildren the one third that your original beneficiary was entitled to. Each grandchild would receive one sixth of the death benefit. So some beneficiary designation forms will have a box you can check uh, to indicate per stirpes. And so this is another decision that you have to make. Now, I know I've gone through this episode, I've talked about beneficiaries, I've talked about retirement accounts, life insurance, all those types of things, right? But what I'm really getting down to is that you need to make sure that you know who's going to receive your money when you're gone, that they know that they are receiving your money when you're gone, and that the money doesn't just end up in some type of purgatory uh, where nobody is claiming whose is whose and uh, nobody knows and everybody's real confused, right? You need to make sure you have your estate plan set out and you'd have to have these beneficiary designations locked down in the way that you want them, right? Have somebody explain it to you. I tried to explain it to you well here today. Have uh, you know your financial advisor or uh, an attorney sit down with you and talk about your beneficiary designations and make sure that you get them right the first time. Uh, and then if you need to change them along the way, make sure that they get changed and don't just assume that your will or your trust is going to override it because it's not going to be the case. You are not going to be able to override beneficiary designations with your will. So make sure you get it right the first time uh, and make changes as you go and make the correct changes in a timely manner uh, before you know a, an ex-spouse ends up receiving money uh, that you didn't want them to receive in the first place. This is all about making sure that your wants are done whenever you are gone uh, and that you can leave a financial legacy that you want to leave and not the one uh, that the probate court or the state uh, or some judge wants to make for you, right? You can go and, and get things done in the proper way, in the proper timing, and everybody can understand that you made your decisions uh, and that those decisions are final. 
So thanks for watching this episode. If you could go down below, hit the big red subscribe button, like this video, leave me any feedback in the comments down below, and I'll be sure to respond to anything you leave down there. If you're listening on Apple or Spotify podcast, be sure to subscribe and leave me a review on either one of those platforms. Follow me on social media at MNO with Dylan, and that's really good supplemental materials to all the things that I'm putting out in these long form episodes on YouTube and the podcast every single day. And then if you need somebody to help you to create a financial plan that's specific to you and your family's needs and keep you accountable to that plan over the long term, then I can do that. Just go to my website, W www.mnowithdylan.com. Click on the work with Dylan tab and you can choose the financial coaching session type that would work best for you. And we can begin pushing towards your long-term financial goals together. So tune in tomorrow as I talk about taxes and inheritance and some of the biggest tax mistakes that people make uh, when inheriting money and how we can uh, move away from those mistakes and make the right decisions with money that we are inheriting. So thanks for tuning into this episode of Money's No Object. I'm your host, Dylan Howell. God bless.